the, the power of just relationships. When you meet people in your area and it's, the question comes is, I can't do that. It's really the question is, how can I do that? Right? How can I buy an apartment building? And then when you actually meet somebody that they've done this or they've raised money or they've done different things, it just, everything changes. And there's a quote by Steve Jobs that says, uh, you know, once you, you, there's some epiphany that happens, once you realize the world, was cre- the world that we know is created by people that are no smarter than you, it just completely changes the way you look at things, right? The only reason people are buying apartment buildings or, or doing, you know, raising $20 million, doing these things is they believe that they were able to do it. And there's nothing really special about them, but it's amazing by going to national conferences. I'm going to, uh, I usually go to about 12 conferences a year. I run my local meetup. I try to go because just the people you meet, it's phenomenal because there's always problems there. There's solutions, there's things you can solve. And so it is just absolutely amazing. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. All right, three full listeners, uh, i got another great guest today. I'm um, really excited uh, to bring Bronson Hill on. I'm going to read a little bit about him. Uh, discovered Bronson because he hosted an awesome uh, webinar uh, that I got to be a part of. So I, I really want to have him on the podcast. And he was uh, nice enough to come on this tiny little podcast that I do. Uh, so really excited to have him on. But uh, a little bit about Bronson. He says, in my journey, I discovered it is possible for high-earning individuals to reduce their taxes and eventually replace their work income with cash flow through alternative investments outside of Wall Street. Uh, this is true financial freedom when you scale your passive cash flow without limiting your time. Love that. Uh, totally agree with that. So a little bit about his journey. He bought his first rental house in 2006, ran it out uh, when he moved out two years later, um, refinanced, getting $400 uh, in cash flow. He was amazed. So this is kind of that light bulb moment. I had that myself. Uh, later, started buying houses in Ohio. Uh, man, out here. Great place to yeah. buy. Uh, it was able to buy 30 homes, replaces income, achieve financial freedom. And then he was off to the races. Um, a lot more to get into, but let, let's just start there. Uh, Bronson, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thanks, Lee. Really happy to be here. I love talking about faith, love talking about finances and how those two meet. So I'm just super excited yeah. to be on Threefold. Yeah. I love that as well. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. yeah, Bronson, I, I you know, didn't give you much of a, a background there, but I, I love what you said about finding passive income and what that can mean for you, what that can mean for your family, your, your, your faith, just like your life outside of, of the work that you do. Um, and, and so you got your start back in 2006. Can you take us all the way back there? Why did you ever get into real estate? What was going on? What were you doing? And, and what um, kind of triggered that interest? Yeah, so uh, a little bit of my background. In 2006, I actually was a youth pastor at a large church in Montana. So I moved out to oh, Montana cool. to take a job out there. Okay. And then a couple years later, I ended up having, I had this house and just decided to keep it and, and use it as a rental. And so I did that. And kind of okay. over the years, I kind of realized like, man, this just turned out pretty well. And so uh, a number of years ago, maybe you know, five, 10 years ago, whatever it was, I started doing single family in Cleveland, Ohio, just because the houses were okay. so cheap. And so I partnered with a, with a, 
a family member and I thought, uh, this is great. We had, you know, several houses there as well and they were cash flowing, but it was a lot of work. And I, my goal was to get, I didn't actually get to 30 houses. My goal was to get to 30 houses. Gotcha. And then I, and then I, and not so fine. And then I, um, I have a cousin who's in multifamily. He's like, well, why don't you do multifamily? This, this stuff sounds like a lot of work with the single family stuff. <laughs> and I said, well, I'd love to, but I don't have the money. And he said, well, you can raise the money. And so he said, you know, go to this event, read this book, listen to this podcast. I kind of did everything he said. And then a short time, after that, I started a, a real estate meetup in Pasadena, California, where I live. Uh, so I found my first investor there, raised a little bit of money for a large multifamily deal called a thing called multifamily syndication, where we buy uh, an apartment building with a bunch of investors that come together. And then I ended up uh, kind of through a series of events, I found another partner. And over the next 18 months after that, we raised uh, $15 million together. So now I've raised about $20 million. We have over $100 million in real estate. And again, I have a small part of that. I don't have, you know, a huge chunk, but I've got a small sure. part. And it's just, I love though, being a part of uh, helping people to experience financial freedom because it helps uh, myself and others to really do what we're here to do. A lot of people are stuck in jobs that they don't like, or they feel like they continue to work because they have to. And unless you can find a way to get your money working for you, as Warren Buffett says, you will work until you die. So just yeah. the idea of passive income of, you know, cash streams. And I really think it's, it's, it does tie in a lot with my faith too. We can kind of get into more of that as well, but sure. uh, it's not just yachts and my ties. It's really about purpose and people and, you know, just really focusing on, on, you know, doing what I'm here to do. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so much to get into Bronson. I definitely want to get into all that. Um, let, let's bounce all the way back though. You said, you know, buying some single families in Cleveland, um, you know, so maybe got a little portfolio there. You said you did that with a, a family member. Did they live in Cleveland? No, no, they no, didn't. They uh, I was already. Okay. Yeah, they were kind of helping provide the financial side. And then I was just okay. basically gotcha. kind of managing it. And I'd go back occasionally, but mostly I just did it out of area. It worked out, worked out okay. Okay. So building up a nice portfolio, but you said it was a lot of work. Dig into that a little bit. Did, did it, you know, you just kind of get to a point, are you getting that point? You're doing math, like, okay, I've got five or six. It's going to take third, like, you know, 30 to, to kind of hit that financial independence number. And man, getting to 30 sounds overwhelming and something I don't want to do. Is it something like that that you got to explain that? Yeah. Well, it's interesting that when people think about real estate that are not in real estate and think, oh, I need to do real estate because that's how you generate more income and you become financially free. And it's true, but a lot of people will think that, oh, to do that, I have to do single family. And if I'm ever going to do multifamily, I got to do it down, down the road and I've got to get this single family thing going and eventually I'll get yeah. there. But yeah. a lot of times we don't realize, uh, even if you're out of area, how much work it actually is. So here I'm out of state, I'm in another state, but every week I'm getting calls of, hey, this tenant damaged this. Hey, we've got this issue coming up. There's an issue with the roof. These are kind of older homes. Mm -hmm. And so there was constant, you know, expenses going in it. So it may, it looked really great on paper, but when you actually looked at the actual results, it didn't turn out quite the way that I hoped. So it turned out fine. I mean, we, we did well in those houses, we sold them, but it just really wasn't that scalable. And so you look at kind of single family versus, like large multifamily, if you had a hundred houses in one market, you'd have, or a pair guy who's doing repairs, he'd have to go to that one house, drive over there, go see what he needs, whatever, go to Home Depot, come back to that one house, get, you know, get the part, bring it back, do all that versus, and if he had to do that, you know, multiple houses, it'd just be like an all day, all week, all the time thing. And you're paying, you know, $50 or an hour or more versus you have a large multifamily, you have full-time people that you get a discounted rate because they're full-time mm -hmm. and there's typically a lot of similar appliances. You have one roof, you have one set of plumbing, you have, it's all in one place and you have multiple dedicated people just to maintaining it. So, um, so to me, I kind of started to realize that, uh, especially because of this relationship with my cousin, who's been doing multifamily for years, that um, you know it was possible to get into it. It wasn't like I needed 
to get all this you know, years and years of experience in single family to make it work, I could actually make the jump pretty quickly. So once I started to see that, I met people that did it. Then I started to believe that I could do it. And actually about you know, less than four years after doing that, I was able to quit my great uh, corporate job and just basically go full time with multifamily. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think you hit on something so key there, Brian, sort of like meeting people that are doing it and then and realizing so so it is possible. I mean, probably, you know, you, you even had that with the single family. I mean, you know, I think so many people when they first get started, even buying a second home as a rental sounds like, you know, big, if, if nobody you know has done it, which, you know, for most of us, that's, that's the case. I know uh, for my wife and I, mean, she kept saying like, nobody does this. Nobody does like, <laughs> and I'm like, no, actually they do. We just don't know any of them, right? But yeah, and, and, and you know, now that we're into this, that we know a ton of people that, that do but it was intentional, was getting into that. And I mean that this kind of get ahead of ourselves, but this gets into your meetup that, that you're doing and, and why I love things like that, because that's what it takes, just like getting around somebody. You know, you get around the family member that, that you know helping with the, the single family, and then all of a sudden, man, okay, like that's possible because I bought a house before, so I could just buy a few houses. That that's a lot of people can get their minds wrapped around that, but to buy your own apartment building. I mean, even after, gosh, you probably could have bought a hundred houses and you still think, well, but I can't buy an apartment building. And, but you start talking to people like, well, you don't even, you don't have to have the money. Like you, like you probably are, you know, so many people do that way on single families, save up enough money, buy another one, save up enough money, buy another one. And and then you go to multifamily. It's a totally different game. You're now pulling people together. Um, so yeah, I, I love yeah. that, that concept that it's absolutely what it takes is just getting around people that are doing it. And yeah, it yeah. breaks down that barrier so quick of like, this can't be done. Well, here's this guy that's just like me. And yeah. So totally. it, it's, it's amazing that the, the power of just relationships, when you meet people in your area and it's, the question comes is I can't do that. It's really the question is how can I do that? Right. How can I buy a apartment building? And then when you actually meet somebody that they've done this or they've raised money or they've done different things, it just, everything changes. And there's a quote by Steve jobs. that says, uh, you know, once you, you, there's some epiphany that happens, once you realize the world was created, the world that we know is created by people that are no smarter than you, it just completely changes the way you look at things, right? The only reason people are buying apartment buildings or, or doing, you know, raising $20 million, doing these things is they believe that they were able to do it. There's nothing really special about them, but it's amazing by going to national conferences. I'm going to, uh, I usually go to about 12 conferences a year. I run my wow. local meetup. I try to go because just the people you meet, it's phenomenal because there's always problems there. There's solutions, there's things you can solve. And so it is just absolutely amazing. Just like your wife says, it's very common. Like most people have no idea you can do this, but that's really how people do well financially is they find ways to really find a niche and really uh, explore that. And then they find, oh, this is something that fits and I can learn this. And then it becomes amazing. It can become a Yeah, place. no, totally. So Brunson, it sounds like that's what happened to you. You, you. I mean, it's one thing to be kind of turned on to it. It's another thing to to go, man, like, I love this. I think this is something I actually want to do. So it sounds like, you know, you heard about multifamily, you start learning more and, and you really gravitated toward it, right? It just yeah. kind of spoke to you. You feel like that's something God created you almost to, to, to really be skilled to do. Tell us a little bit about that and your transition into it. Yeah, Um well, a little bit of my journey, um, you know, I had this great corporate job make, making really good money, you know, okay. versus, you know, high six figures, you know. So this job. wasn't, I'm got, this isn't a youth pastor. That's not, that's not the high yeah. income. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's another it's story. But I went from being a youth pastor, you know, it's funny, money is not really my primary motivator. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's a tool that we use. Sure. Uh, we can obviously impact kingdom. There's a big why I kind of have behind all that, but yeah. um, was, you know, working medical sales for about, so okay. after I was a youth yep. pastor for about five years, work, got into medical sales. And again, just a great job, great industry, you get to help people, paid really well. I got to where I was, you know, 
making great money working at basically 20 to 30 hours a week. Oh, wow. Um, and so, and again, you know, it's a full-time job, but I was able to kind of like do what I needed to do there. And then I was really working my 20, 30 hours a week over here in my real estate yep. business. So it was actually great to have some autonomy to be able to build that. It was oh, yeah. initially kind of challenging for me because I'm used to being like a really high performer and I've won awards and stuff in medical sales. So I have to tell myself, it's okay if I'm just kind of like average over here because I'm building yep. this new thing over here. So, but what yep. I realized yep. is, um, you know, with sales or any job, you kind of stop learning usually about six months to a year. It's it, it usually most jobs, they're challenging in the sense of labor, but you kind of got the job figured out. And I just love learning and I love finding solutions to problems and I love it to me. It just, it allowed me to, I'm, I'm going to keep learning this and go over here and, and check it out. So what I was able to do is just to kind of get into some partnerships while I'm still doing my other stuff. And it, it was hustling, but it allowed me to kind of scale up. And then when I was ready to make that transition, it was kind of more of an easier transition. But what I wanted to be able to do was to have passive income that replaced my, uh, my expenses and then allowed me to do things that I want to do. I write music. I love traveling. I love, you know, one of my big whys fighting human trafficking. So I want to make, uh, raise a lot of money and, and generate resources to do that. And so just to be able to, and also to be able to be creative in ways that help people. So many people, like I said, are stuck in a job they don't like, or they want to retire, but they can't. And just really having the tool of knowing how to actually passively invest, knowing that you're going to get cash flow every month or every quarter is just, uh, it, it's an absolute game changer for people when they get it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love um, kind of highlighting that, that Brunson. And I, I was able to get into a, a similar job. And I like talking about it because I think more and more people with COVID might have this opportunity to, to have some flexibility to start that real estate side hustle if they want to do that. And maybe that's just digging into it a little bit and deciding, yeah, I want to invest with Bronson, you know, but, but it's great to be an active passive investor. And I think more and more people have the opportunity because yeah, I I had a a similar job of of not working that many hours and and having some extra time to allow me to do the side hustle, just, just like you. Uh, So it's really cool that you were able to do that. Um, And, and yeah, hopefully more and more people are able to uh, that COVID's allowing them to work home, work from home, maybe have some more flexibility. So that's cool. Um, Yeah. I I had to laugh at what you said, you know, with you kind of top out in a job and you learn everything. And like, you're the type of person that's always liking to learn new things. And, um, you know, when I, I, I'm very much that way. And I got into real estate, my wife said, yeah, but how long are you going to be happy with real estate until you move on to the next thing? And I was like, that's the great thing about real estate. There's so many different areas. I'll just keep moving. Yeah. On. Like, you know, and I was like, yeah, in, in five or 10 years, I'll probably want to develop, you know, but I'm not doing that now, but I can yeah. just move into development. Like there's so much, and that's what, that's yeah. a really neat thing about real estate. Right? Well, it's a huge world. I mean, real estate is, yeah, there's so much you can learn. Yes. There's so much you can do. And it's, and, and, you know, I have a niche that I do a couple of niches and, and, but it's that you can continue to learn and both passively as an investor, or if you're actively doing stuff and that's, what's just amazing about it. It's really amazing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads me to my next thought there, Bronson. I really want to talk about your meetup that you started. Uh, it sounds like that that's really taken off. What was, what was the idea behind that? What, how, what has that kind of evolved into? Uh, just tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I read this book. I was just trying to get a hold of everything I could when it came to, uh, you know, how do I learn about commercial real estate? How do I learn about multifamily, especially because I had my cousin kind of got me all excited about it saying like, oh, you got to get into multifamily. So this book, I think it was called like uh, commercial real estate for dummies or something like that. So despite the shaming title, um, it actually was, it basically talked some great things about starting a meetup. And there was a couple other places that said something similar. And I was like, oh, this is great. So I had been going to a real estate meetup in Pasadena where I live uh, for the last, you know, seven or eight years, kind of on and off. And so I approached the leader. This was, you know, four years ago or something. I said, hey, you're leading this. What if we start another meeting 
and we could partner together. I'll do all the work, but we'll do one on multifamily. So I just, I partnered in that. So then we kind of were able to kind of promote together and that kind of thing. So at our first meeting, we had 60 people show up. So there's a lot of things. So just that experience though, of doing it that way, uh, partnerships are absolutely amazing when it comes to real estate. A lot of people think that you have to do everything yourself and in single family, maybe that's the case, or there's a little more of that, but with multifamily or larger deals, it's almost always a team sport. And in this case, that's kind of what happened to me. And so I started this meetup. Uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't have any multifamily experience, just had my single family experience. We had kind of an interview style meetup and then we had some Q&A and other things we did. But I met a guy there who said, hey, I would invest with you in one of your deals. And I said, oh, okay, great. And I'm thinking like, I don't have any deals. But so I got (laughs) for coffee and I presented a sample deal to him. And I basically uh, said, hey, this is the type of deal that, you know, we do. Would you be interested in this? Yeah, I would. I'd invest like 100000 or something like that. And so then I introduced him to another guy that I'd met at for the first time at that same meeting who was a syndicator or somebody who organized, put together these deals. Yep. And I connected the two of those. So that was my first $100,000 I raised for a deal. And the first one is always the hardest. People wonder, how do you break into this? How do you really get into bigger deals? It's that, it's that type of thing, going to events, meeting people, and really providing value. So I think you were part mm-hmm. of an event that we did. It's a webinar. We talk about inflation yep. once a month or we do multifamily kind of you know, meetup online stuff that we do. And it's, it's just the more value you can provide the more people are drawn to you because they see you as a person of value. And if you look at that first meetup, I didn't have really any experience in multifamily at all. And yet somebody's approaching me saying, I want to invest in your deals. But it's uh, I'd had 63 phone calls and meetups with friends and family to try to invest in in my deal, but that I was trying to do and none of them invested. Now a lot of them since have, but you know, so it's just funny how, how we choose to you know invest and what have so anyway it's just it's one of those things that if you're like you and I and you're willing to learn you're willing to put in the work you enjoy the process uh, there's a lot of opportunity and the sky's the limit I mean it's just it's yeah. amazing what you can accomplish by doing it yeah no well and I, I think what you do there uh, Bronson is you establish yourself as as an expert even though you weren't uh, because you're bringing people together and part of being an expert is just knowing the right questions asked, being willing to ask questions, finding the right people. And that's what I love about multifamily. It's it's a team sport. Uh, the, the reason it is, is because it's a big pie. It's not a, you know, we're not trying to split up a single family home in Cleveland and hey, there's, you know, $400 in cash flow. Let's split this up between a few of us. You know, no one's going to get excited about that. Uh, but when we're talking about a big apartment building, it's so big that we can split it up, you know, amongst 30 different investors, 50 different investors. Uh, but it, and it can be run like a really professional business. So really exciting thing, you know, and even on the GP side, bringing on different partners that, you know, can specialize in different things. It, it's a really, really great thing. Um, I, I know you mentioned inflation there. Um, I wanted to get into that because your, your webinar was was really good. And that's why I wanted to tune in because you had a couple, again, a couple of great experts, uh, guys that I that I uh, have considered experts for a long time, having them on there. You guys really um, kind of dug in a little bit just to the current market uh, cycle that we're in or the part of the market cycle that we're in. Um, everybody knows real estate's incredibly hot. Um, I mean, just when maybe a couple of years ago, we thought it couldn't get any hotter. It's gotten way hotter, uh, meaning, you know, the prices have just gone up. Uh, cap rates are compressed. Um, how are you thinking through that, Bronson? You and, and the guys you're partnering with buying deals. How are you still finding good deals in this crazy market? I mean, I had a guy say to me, you know, like, I'm kind of explaining the market and how crazy. He's like, well, then why are you still buying? Okay, so you know, someone asked you that, Bronson. Yeah. Why, why are you still buying if, if prices are an all-time high, cap rates, you know, all-time low, all that? Well, why are you still buying? Yeah, well, I think you and I, Lee, I think we're kind of unique in the real estate space because a lot of people that do real estate they don't look at broader economics, and mm-hmm. I think it's just so so important, particularly today with what's happening. It's important in any market, but I think when forty percent 
of you know dollars in circulation, whether digital or actually physically created, were printed in the last you know eighteen months. Uh, that significantly changes uh, you know what things are going to look like going forward. So things are going to cost more just because we have more dollars out there because the spending packages and things are continuing. So. Uh, so then you start to say, okay, you know, we need to find deals, but really what are the long-term trends of, you know, preserving and creating wealth? Because to me, real estate is great, but uh, it, it doesn't matter if it's real estate or precious metals or other, any other business type of investments. It's just, what does it actually do for us, right? Like what, is, what are the yes. things that it's actually going to benefit us for? And so real estate gives some amazing advantages that actually, if you know that dollars are going to be worth less in the future, it allows you to effectively short the dollar. So, right. So shorting something means if it goes down, then you make money. So if dollars are worth less over time, that allows us to actually take advantage of it uh, by buying large buildings or buying real estate by taking out debt. So we're putting leverage in, we typically put 20 to 25% down and the rest is finance typically with long-term debt. Right now we're seeing debt rates at, you know, less than 3%. Uh, you know, sometimes even you know, if you have more flexible debt, it's a little bit higher, but uh, it, it's absolutely amazing. So you get this long-term debt on these deals. I really feel like inflation is somewhere between five and 10%. It could even be higher. They're kind of, I think the CPI, which is the consumer price index that talks about inflation is a fudge number. They're not really being truthful as far as where that is. There's incentive of why they wouldn't do that sure. or why they would try to keep yeah. that low. Um, so anyway, all that to say, if you get into long-term real estate, you have uh, assets that are cash flowing, so they produce produce cash. There's an inflation hedge built in there, where rents mm -hmm. typically rise with inflation. Maybe not exactly; it's a lagging indicator, but in general, that will generally happen. And then you begin to pay off this this debt that you've taken at low rates in the future uh, with dollars that are worth less over time. So it's kind of like a double positive. You know, this build these buildings are going to be worth more because of the amount of money that's being printed, even if there is some sort of short term. Uh, pullback or something else. So, so it, to me, it's it's really the best thing you can do because it doesn't matter that at some point if they hyperinflate into oblivion or they you know stop printing or whatever. It just it, you have assets that are producing cash flow, and that's true mm -hmm. whether you're a passive investor or you're doing it yourself. It's just getting into assets with debt that you're able to see cash flow from. So again, it's yep. getting out of physical cash because right now saving is actually losing because if there's inflation, it's just, it's eating away at the value every year. And yes. so getting into things such as real estate. So that's one of the reasons I really like uh, doing long-term real estate. No, absolutely. It's said so well, because I think people realize we've, we've had inflation. I mean, yeah, regardless of, of what the, what the fed says and, and you're right, you know, reasons they would, they would do that, but everybody knows that we, we've had a lot. And, and if we have, then yeah, that means, that means things like rents have gone up. Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, uh, Neil Bawa on, on the, the webinar, it was like, hey, if you're underwriting like it's 2019, then you're not going to buy anything because it's not 2019. And, and I, I just thought more and more about it, Bronson. And I've thought, you know, whether or not you think we're going to continue with this inflation really doesn't matter because we've already had it. And I mean, because you talk about you think it's five or 10 percent. I mean, the one I've heard about 2020 about rents is they've increased 14 to 17 percent nationwide. Now, wow. that that's already happened. I mean, we, we, we've yeah. had that. And I, I think a lot of people are seeing that. I mean, we, we certainly are. And that's one way we're, we're still finding some, some good deals and some meat on the bone, just because some uh, apartment owners haven't kept up with that. Like, like right. market rents way up here, guys, you, you're, you're still back here and they're, and they're happy with it. Maybe they, they increase rent a little bit more than they thought they would get, but they haven't kept up with that. We've already had that. I don't, I don't see that going away. So even if you think we don't continue with inflation, We've already had enough to make properties worth more. And, and, you know, to your point of some of the things you've said, Bronson, you know, 
properties are, are, are like a business that they're valued based on, you know, the revenue that it generates and, and specifically the profit. And so if your rent has, has shot up, then the property is going to be worth more. So if you're going to buy that property, you are going to have to pay more. But the other thing you brought up is, is the debt, how cheap debt is. The cheaper debt becomes, the, the more properties are worth because you can afford more. And when people can afford more, they do. I mean, that's why, you know, everybody knows house prices have, have gone insane over the past year. And, you know, our interest rates job, the, the, the Fed, you know, de- de- decreased the interest rates. And so now people can afford a more expensive house on the same income. Uh, but meanwhile, you know, a lot of people's incomes have gone up or they, you know, receive some money from the government, like, like you talked about. And so people are able to afford more. So, but what you're talking about is it, it's still just a great place to put your money, because if we are going to have inflation, it's a great inflation hedge. Um, when you have debt and your debt becomes worthless, I mean, you talk about you're, you're getting on both ends. The property's yeah. going to be worth more. Your debt's going to be worth less. And there's going to be, you know, a bigger spread b- between those two things. What, what do you think... It, if we have, uh, let's say we go back into the deflationary environment, what, what's what's the hedge there? What if what if we have, you know, a, another deflationary crash where, where things are worth more? Are you still going to be happier in multifamily, or what? What if we turn around and go that direction? So yeah, if we go deflationary, that's the question: Are we going to have deflation or inflation first? We're seeing inflation right now. Deflation obviously is just when we have some event like a, even a recession or you know prices pull back for whatever reason. And this is something I like to mention with multifamily that. Everybody thinks of real estate market, you know, the real estate market just being the real estate market, but there's so many sub markets, there's areas, you know, types of assets and different things people, you know, they do. And so uh, single family, one stat I like to quote is that the worst point of the Great Recession in 2009, single family, uh, the, the default or delinquency rate was 4%. So it means right. one in 25 nationally were in default or foreclosure. Uh, at the same period, large multifamily, 60 units or more, it was 0.4%. Yep. Yep. I'm going to say 250. So it was much, much less. So you think about it. If there is some sort of big event that happens, people lose houses or they, you know, start to, there's some big, some big shakeup. They go to working class apartments. That's what we buy. We buy these working class B and C yep. kind of middle of the road apartments. Sure. And there's a big hedge there. Now there is a risk that if let's say inflation is continues to rise, they, they do the right thing. They decide to raise interest rates or they raise them even sharply, whatever they do, it could temporarily reduce the value of, multifamily apartments. Mm-hmm. But what that I think over time, over just even I think, you know, over months, not even that long, typically rents kind of rise with inflation or with rates. So as they rise up, that, that becomes an ownership cost. And so the nice thing about doing these deals that we do, they're typically three to six year deals, and we don't have to sell them right away. So if it becomes right. that all yep. of a sudden you're, you're cash flowing and you're doing fine, but the value goes down a little bit, yep. um, then you can just hold it a little bit longer. And there's really not a lot of big issue with that. But again, like I said, I my personal belief is that uh, rents are really a lagging indicator with inflation. So they don't always quite keep up at the exact level. So they'll lag a little bit, but in general, they will rise with inflation. So if inflation's higher, and the rates are higher. Um, again, I think we're going to see people continually trying to find higher yields. And usually that's found um, in assets that, you know, I, I think a really safe asset is multifamily. Another, another interesting stat is that people that are worth over $100 million or more, they did a study on this, and they found they had the highest percentage of all of their assets in uh, commercial real estate, including multifamily. So yeah. just the fact that really, really wealthy people know that, hey, if I get my uh, you know, my money, my get out of cash, get into assets and get into assets that really do have some inflation hedge as well as that do well in, in when times are good or when times are bad. One last thing I wanted to say Lee, is that if you look at that, like I mentioned, rents rise with inflation. If you look at kind of rents 
over time as they've grown since 1960, they've grown pretty just kind of up and to the right. But other areas, they, they flattened out and then they just kind of kept going up on that same trend line. Right. So right. in general, um, I think it's just, you know, in term, the value of what you get is in line with uh, inflation over time. I love that stat. Yeah, the only 0.4% of, of multifamily has as a folded. So if you think if you if you really get nervous and you think there's a crash, yeah, very little chance that you're going to lose the apartment building. That you know that the sponsors are going to lose the apartment building. Returns may go down. I mean, it really gets bad. Maybe maybe they don't hit their projections. Returns are down, uh, but but your money's safe because you're not going to lose the apartment building. But then you make a good point too. Often you know there's a plan to sell and that, there's an equity event, sell or refinance. But you don't have to. You know if you lock in some good fixed rate debt you can ride that out. And that's what, you know, so many people were able to do during recession ride out. And then, I mean, they were made whole and then some, right. I mean, they, the people that could, could hold through that really, really made out well um, and, and, and probably doubled and tripled their money and all that. Um, so great point there. And then I think too, Brunson, I think if we were to have, if we, if this turned around and we went and, you know, deflationary crash, you know, where maybe people were in like, Hey, then your apartment building is not going to be worth as much. Yeah. Right. And, and like you said, we're going to weather that storm and we'll hold on to it. But what's your other money doing? I think in that situation, like if we have a deflationary crash, stock market's gonna gonna get crushed. I mean, we we raise interest rates and, and we go in the opposite direction or something. I mean, to me, you, you probably just lost like like you did, you know, in, in, in the beginning of twenty twenty, probably thirty five percent of your your wealth in the stock market potentially. Whereas again, we're saying in multifamily, you haven't lost anything. You know, maybe, maybe again, maybe the returns aren't as good, but you know, you in other asset classes you, you can lose. And I, that's just one thing I love about multifamily. You know, you, you still hold on to the asset. It's an asset, like you said, still cash flowing. You know, people still need to rent. You, you still have that around. So great, great point there. Um, good stuff, Bronson. I, I love, I, I know you're a man of uh, faith, family man. So I'd, I'd love to transition a little bit and kind of get into that part of it. What is transitioning this into real estate, getting this going? What's this What's this meant for your family? What, what has it been like, you know, your 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 walk with Christ, your, your family, things like that? What, what have what is, uh, the real estate meant for you? Yeah, so... Um... You know, to me, it, again, it's really interesting in the, the real estate world. Like I mentioned, I go to a lot of meetups and a lot of conferences and you meet a lot of people that, um, you know, they come at real estate for different reasons, right? It's kind of, sure. you know, we do real estate because of what it will give you. And there are people that are really driven, you know, money is it. And it's not just money, but it's, it's. I think there is a trap. Greed is is there and it's it's present in, you know, a lot of people. It's something that I'm, you know, I, I'm susceptible to that. We all are, right? And so- uh, but I think really my big, you know, why and what I try to bring to, uh, you know, everything that I do is just really, you know, loving God and loving people and really trying to say, okay, God, this is something I feel like you called me to do to really manage a lot of resources. And he's given me a big why. So I have a huge number that's almost embarrassing to talk about how big it is, but to really try to put that toward fighting human trafficking, because to me, uh, there's, you know, there are causes in life and things that really are worth uh, living and dying for and I, and I really think this is one of them. You know, this is something that, um, you know, it's, there are 20 to 40 million human slaves today. Um, the number will only keep rising unless we actually do something about it. And it's hard. It's, it's such a big challenge and problem and things that it's hard to engage with. And there's a lot of reasons for that. My sister was very inspirational in that she started an organization called Dressember, where women wear dresses or guys wear bow ties in the month of December, and we raise money for human trafficking. So they've raised, awesome. I think I've raised $20 million for multifamily. They probably raised like $30 million for human trafficking. So pretty amazing. So so to me, that's that's a big why about, you know, why I'm doing this. So I think it really comes down to the, the idea of stewardship, of doing what we're here to do. And to me, passive income, 
Uh, and obviously, you know, I, I, they say there's a saying, you quit your job working 40 hours for someone else to go work, you know, 60 hours, 80 hours for, for yourself, right? So yeah. that can happen. So there's a trap sometimes of just, you know, there's always stuff to do, but um, yep. I, but I've got a lot of great ideas at least. I just want to work, you know, all the oh, time. I know. So, yep. and, and then the cause is amazing. How, how do you, how do you do some of that, Bronson, of, of managing that? Because I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, falling the same trap, got all these ideas. Wanna, I love to work. I want to work on this stuff, but um, I, I, I love my family. I want to, I want to serve my wife and, and develop relationships with my kids. So how do you make sure you keep your priorities straight when, when you're, when you're passionate about the work you do? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think my daughter's really good at teaching me this. Uh, she's, um, she's eight years old and she's just, you know, sometimes I'll be stressed about something at work or something will happen or we had a deal gone or something's happening. And she'll just like, you know, hey, let's play or let's go to the park or just or just this for with her attitude, just a real great reminder of like, you know, all this work stuff really isn't that important. All this stuff yeah, that we're doing, right. it's just yeah. about like being together, having fun, doing it together, having adventures. And, and when we're doing that with God, it's just amazing how like, you know, he really has our best interests in mind, even when we don't always feel it in the moment. Right. So I think yeah. just reminders. Also, my church is really helpful with that. I have a men's group. I I host at my house every Tuesday night. We call it Iron Men, just the idea of, of iron sharpens iron. So we get in the Bible and then we do some sharing. And it's just like, it's an awesome. So there are a few things, I guess, my church community. I've got my family. I've got my men's group. And, and then, of course, you know, I try to get in, get in the Bible each day. And I try to do some prayer. I just really say, God, you know, really help this day. Let it become what you want it to become. And right. let me see yeah. first your kingdom and what you want. And in the process of doing that, like you may not get every deal or get every person to invest with you. But at the end of the day, like it comes across that you're just, you're just trying to love people and help them. And it's amazing mm-hmm. how many people like are drawn to that. Cause you're not coming with the same spirit of greed that a lot of other people are right. If people yeah. invest with me or they invest with somebody else, I don't really care. I mean, I just hope that they invest because I know that if they invest with someone that is a reputable person. They're going to, you know, they're going to do very well financially and maybe yep. they'll get, they'll be able to, uh, you know, really pursue what they're here to do and be able right. to, you know, do yeah, more of that. I love that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. Such an abundance mentality there. And, and I, I see so many, uh, maybe not quite as well as you, but so many in the, the multifamily space have that. And I, I love that about it. Um, I love the story about your daughter. I mean, my daughter's eight as well. And uh, yeah, same thing. I mean, uh, I, I've had some good uh, guys at church. I, you know, been a part of some Bible studies and stuff. And I remember a guy telling me like, hey, Lee, it, it's all going to burn, man. It, it's all yeah. going to burn. You know, like I just try to remind myself that I remember like when I was really stressed out in the corporate uh, world, I would remind myself of that a lot of times. Like, I'm building this business for these guys. Like it really doesn't matter. Like it, it just yeah. doesn't like, you got to come back and you know, you passionate about your work. I mean, you know, it's good too, but yeah, you, you've got to keep coming back to that. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, to your point of, of being in the word and, and prayer, you know, daily guys like us, you know, thick headed guys, like we, we've got to be reminded daily. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's so important. So, uh, I'm so glad you're doing that Bronson. And I, I think a lot of your success, you know, stem, stems from that. So, um, that's great, man. Um, I, I always like to ask, you know, kind of, kind of toward the end, what do you think, um, what do you think is like the key ingredient to being a good real estate investor? Yeah, I think it, uh, well, it depends if you're active or passive. I think in general, um, yeah, I think, I don't know, there's a number of things. I think you know, I, I, my background is working with a lot of physicians and physicians generally are usually not great business people or not great investors. And sometimes they need a high level of certainty uh, to be able to move forward with anything. And mm-hmm. so that's a challenge sometimes when you're looking at like, here's an investment type or an investment class that they've never invested in. Maybe they know people that have, but they've never done it. Yeah. And so I think it's in some ways, it's like, it's the willingness 
to take calculated risks, yeah. right? Like, you know, life is not certain. If you want certainty, a lot of people that want certainty, you pay a high premium for certainty. If I want to have certainty in my job, my career, I could go work for social security. I could work for government job. I could do things. It's not bad. My family works in education. It's very secure, but you pay a higher price for that versus having something that, you know, uh, if, it, if it works out, it, it, the upside is very high. Maybe, and, and you also want to try to limit your downside, but it's just really kind of going into it saying, okay, there's a, you know, 90% chance this will do return, you know, 10% per year. And there's a 10% chance maybe it'll break even or maybe lose a little money, but that those are pretty good odds, right? And, it, and that's the whole thing. You learn a lot by taking action and by doing that, whether that's going to meetups, it's going to, uh, you know, events. Well, once you meet somebody, if you're interested in passive investing, you meet somebody that's a full-time passive investor and they've been doing it for over 10 years and you start asking them questions like, what's your biggest mistake? What, what, what advice yep. would you give? Yep. What are some things that, you know, and, and you just start realizing like, wow, this person, like they, they have no incentive to like, they're not selling anything at all. They're just talking about their experiences. And that's just, those relationships are so, so powerful. And the problem is if, you know, a lot of listeners, a lot of people, we get in our own routine, we don't meet any new people and yeah. we don't, we stop reading books. And it's just, you know, there's another quote that I love by Tommy Tremendous Jones that he says, you'll be the same five years from now, except for the books that you read and yeah. the people that you meet. And so that's why I think it's just being willing to learn, expose yourself to new ideas and new people, and then being willing to actually take some action. Yeah. I like that example of the passive investor, Bronson. It's, it kind of goes back to what you and I were talking about when we wanted to be active and we had to meet that person that was already doing it. Yeah. It could be kind of same thing on the passive side. Uh, but no, you know, you're right. Willingness to calculate risk and, and talking about a high price. I mean, I, I just thought it, I was thinking about bonds. Like if you want an yeah. assured, you know, return, I mean, you can be about a hundred percent sure. I mean, sure. Our, our government could default. We could get into all these, you know, end game scenarios, but pretty much they're going to return what is it? What is the, the, the 10 year, like 1.3% now or whatever. I mean, it's terrible. So you're, you're assured to get a 1.3% return, but yeah, I, I think in our opinion, that's a high cost to pay because that sucks. Like, I mean, you're yeah. definitely not going to, the, the, the fed is telling you we are trying as hard as we can to make sure you lose money because we want 2% inflation and you're only going to get 1.3. So we are trying as hard as we can to make sure you lose. So that's a sure thing though, right? A sure thing you're going to get 1.3%, but that's a high cost. You're right. I mean, because yeah, stock market's definitely not a sure thing. So great, great point there. Yeah. Let, let's flip that question to um, what do you think Bronson is a key ingredient or maybe one or two to not only have success in real estate investing, but have success as a man of faith, as a husband, as a dad, while having success in the real estate industry? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing, um, I mean, I've kind of alluded to it, but just really seeking first God's kingdom. Uh, and you mentioned it too, just a reminder that, you know, everything's going to burn everything. Like a lot of problems that are problems, like I try to sometimes reframe and say, is this going to be a problem a month from now or six months or five years from now? And then is it going to be a problem in eternity? And, and yeah. probably the most of the time, the answer is no, it's not going to matter at all. Like there's going to be yeah. zero, but I, I can get kind of stressed and really focused on the moment. I just think it's a great reminder. And I think that's why those spiritual disciplines, such as prayer and reading the Bible, they keep you humble. They keep you reminded like, oh, wow, like what we're seeing now with our eyes and what we're experiencing is not as real as what's happening in the spiritual realm. And sure. actually, you know, who God is. And so I think it's just, and I think that that also comes from getting around people that are kind of similar minded, yes. you know, doing, doing mm -hmm. activities together. But, but I think it's, I think it's easy to, um, to, to lose sight of that. And I, and I do it all the time throughout the day. I, oh, I kind of get frustrated, get upset, whatever. But I, I think 
And bigger things is just the more that, you know, I can invite Jesus into my life and just feel like I'm, you know, he's, and he really, you know, scripture says too, he's with us wherever we go, he'll never leave us or never forsake us. So there's some of these, I think it's the St. Ignatius daily office practice where it talks about like, at the end of the day, you can reflect and say, where did I see God working in my life today? Or where did I feel like he wasn't present? And just, you know, if, if I can just do that during the day and just believe that he's with me and I don't always do it, but I think that's a great place to just start just knowing, Hey, you know, this is a relationship here. I'm doing this with, this is not religion of rules and whatever. This is me actually just walking with God. And you know, that to me sounds awesome. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So fulfilling and, and um, there's a peace about it. There's a hope there, there's a comfort because yeah, we, we just, like you said, I mean, that, that there's things that are so much more real and so much more lasting eternal in the, in, in the spiritual realm than, than the things that we're kind of seeing that seem so important, but yeah, putting that in perspective, Bronson is really good. This, this has been great, Bronson. Um, I, I want to be respectful of your time and, and kind of wrap up here. Um, would you mind um, giving us maybe a good book recommendation? I can tell you're well-read uh, maybe, um, you know, real estate related. Uh, oh, I'd love to get a real estate related one. Then do you have anything faith family wise? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Uh, real estate related. Um, I can think of two. So there's one okay. that's good for active investors. The uh, the best ever syndication book by Joe okay. Fairless. Joe Fairless, yep. book. So if somebody's looking to be active and and how do I do this? That's a great kind of how to book. Yep. And then another sure. one is for passive investors. It is a little bit nerdy, but it's it's called the Hands Off Investor, and it's by a guy named Brian Burke. Brian so that's a good yep. one for Brian. passive investing. Um, and then as far as faith-based, um, I, I like, I come back to it every few years, but it's the uh, Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Yeah, and it's, it's really, just, you know, the whole, you know, start with, you know, why are you here? What are you here to do? And that's, again, another, I, I just, the older I get, the more I see that vision and purpose is what keeps us alive. And it says without vision, people perish. So the idea of just really getting crystal, crystal clear on what you're here to do, on who you are, where you're going, um, that actually just gives life to your soul and your and your body and in every way and your and your family members that people are drawn to that because yeah. without it it's just you know that that's that's why you see people and they're just going through life and they have no purpose they have no vision and that's really the yeah. saddest thing of all yeah yeah it really is you're putting out so much good stuff what's what's the best way for people to to plug into the what you guys what you're doing out there i mean uh send them to your website or, or where should we send people yeah, so I've got a uh, free ebook that I put together. It's basically the single best investing strategy during and after pandemics. I've got it right here. It's like okay. 24 color pages. Um, it's basically, you can find it oh, at okay. my website, yeah, which is, yeah, at bronsonequity.com. Yeah. And then I also, I love connecting on, you know, real estate, whether it's active or passive or, you know, any of that stuff. So just kind of through my website. It's a great way. I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook and all that. Okay. So. All right, man. Uh, as we wrap up here, I want to, I always like to ask at the end, how, how might my listeners and I be praying for you in the coming weeks? Yeah, thanks. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, you know, it's busy, at least at the time of this recording, I've got just a number of trips. I think the next couple of weeks, it's like Dallas, Atlanta, Philadelphia. Um, so a lot of travel. So it's been a wow. lot of travel. And so just that, yeah. And it just yeah. there's some decisions that I'm making as far as, deals to be involved with partners to work with. Okay. And uh, those are things that, you know, you just, I really want to get right because, you know, yeah. having good partners is really important. Working with people that are, you know, people of faith or people that really live out, you know, are consistent with their character. That's really important. So that's probably the biggest oh, one. Sure. And then just, just clarity too on, on vision, just that it'd be, you know, I'd get really continue to get clear and stay really clear on that. So, yeah, man, great prayer. Great prayer. We'll definitely be praying for that. For that it's good stuff. It, it's it's kind of heavy, some big decisions, but again, 
Yeah. It doesn't matter. And God's got it all planned out anyway. It's all going to work out. Uh, and, and hopefully we glorify him in all of it. For sure. Well, yeah, I want to say thank you for bringing me on. This is great. I love yeah. you're doing this, combining, you know, real estate and faith. And those are things that, you know, and just wealth and faith. And those are things that are really important. I think that they go hand in hand. I think the idea of personal development, as well as walking with Jesus, I think it's it's just awesome that you're doing that. So I want to just acknowledge you. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. And, so, and, yeah. and I, love, I love having guests on like you that, that can speak to both of those things um, and, and talk to them as you did so well. So um, yeah, thank, thank you for that. And thank, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for blessing us with awesome, your time. Man. Thanks for the time. Hey, yep. Yeah, take care. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.